edition of The Shant Show. I'm your host, Curtis, joined today by... Josh and Jordan. So I wanted to start off the top of this episode with a bit of an apology to our audience. We uh, talked a lot of hype last week and then uh, didn't quite reach those goals. We um, promised a couple of episodes that never came out, mostly the pre-game episode for Georgia Southern, but... We're all students here. We're all trying to squeeze this in between tests and classes and work and, you know, doing the things we do with the athletic programs and, and that sort of thing. So um, we're trying our best and, you know, in the future we'll learn to dial things back and not promise so much and, and you know, we'll, we'll go from there and, and try to get better in that way. But with that bit of negativity out of the way, let's talk positives. Coastal Carolina walks out of Statesboro, Georgia with a 28-8 to victory over Georgia Southern in Another absolute downpour. That's two weeks in a row that this team is – they might as well be the Ducks instead of the Chanticleers. It's bad. But <laughs> but what did you guys – what were your initial takeaways from the game? It really, all around, this was the best football game from the team, best effort, really, that I've seen all year. And it was really kind of motivating for me to see that we could battle like that in the rain. And even without our starting quarterback, we've said this before, that we trust Bryce Carpenter, but – just to kind of reinforce that, and the rest of the team stepped up, especially the defense. That's what I like to see. Yeah, exactly, Josh. I was going to say the defense was the eye for me because, I mean, we gave up eight points. That is the lowest total I believe we've given up all year long. So I think that the defense came out and played really, really well, um, especially against the run. Um, the, com- the combined rushing total with Georgia Southern, with their quarterbacks and running backs, they had 36 carries for 86 yards. They had no touchdowns. So, um, you're only averaging 2.4 yards um, when you're doing that. So I'm very pleased with the way that the rush defense came out and was really aggressive from the time that they kicked off to the time that it was quadruple zeros on the scoreboard. Yeah, I just want to make one quick we, – we only gave up three to UMass and six to UL Monroe. But that's now three games this season where you've only given up single-digit points. And the only real negative thing that's come out of this game is you didn't put up a shutout. I don't think that that's truly a negative, but I think it's literally the only part of this game that you can look at and maybe shake your head at. The defense played well, led by Josiah Stewart, broke his own school record with four sacks in this game. That's a true freshman coming off the edge and immediately replacing Teron Jackson's production. This kid is going to go down as the best sack getter in Coastal history if we convince him to stay. But this is a team effort that really came together out of nowhere, in all honesty. You know, they looked a little bit discombobulated last week. And now this week you're throwing the curveball of Grayson McCall 40 minutes before kickoff is no longer active. You're throwing Bryce Carpenter into a situation that I believe the coaching staff had him ready for. I believe that all that time that he played early in the season had him ready for. But Grayson McCall out indefinitely with an upper body injury. They haven't really said anything what's happening. Um, But Bryce Carpenter comes out and plays a really solid game, again, in a complete and total downpour where you couldn't pass the ball hardly at all. But he controlled the game. He scored a rushing touchdown. He looked competitive, scored a passing touchdown, got one to Cam Brown. So that was good to see. But, yeah, I mean, what are you guys thinking? Are you worried about Grayson McCall being down? Are you, you know, how did you take away from Bryce Carpenter's performance this game? Yeah, you know, when I saw that Grayson McCall was going to be out indefinitely with an upper arm injury against Georgia Southern, when I saw that on ESPN, I thought it was like a repeat article from last year. When I looked it up online, I didn't think it was the correct article because this is exactly what happened last year against Georgia Southern. Same injury, same team. 
but last year was Fred Payton and this year was Bryce Carpenter. Two guys that split time at quarterback, both started six games the season before Grayson was the starter. But really just shout out to Bryce Carpenter again. I feel like this is like the Bryce Carpenter fan show. We have only said positive things about him, but to stay at Coastal, to wait his turn, to switch to receiver, to do anything to get playing time, then thrown back into the starting quarterback role, which he's completely ready for and he's gotten a lot of time this year as well. But really gutsy performance for him. He, Like you said, he controlled the game, and I wasn't worried for a second that we were even going to come within 20 points or whatever. I was like, okay, Bryce Carpenter is the starting quarterback. We're going to be completely fine. Let's play some football. Yeah, for me, um, I was – I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was shocked. Cause, you know, we looked at the game last week and we said to ourselves, you know, I mean, I know I did. You know, Grayson looked good. We didn't speculate any injuries. He didn't look injured last week when they played Troy. And then, you know, right before kickoff, then we get the news that he's out indefinitely. So, um, for me personally, just saying this out to Grayson, hope you feel better, man. We need you. Uh, hope you get back to us real soon. But um, kudos to Bryce, Har uh, Bryce Carpenter because, I mean, he really went out there and just balled out. Really a good game manager, like you guys said. He did have a rushing touchdown, had a passing touchdown. Um, and really was just in control of the offense. So, I mean, we, we talked about this earlier this year uh, throughout many of our podcasts that when we were up blowing out teams and we got the opportunity for our second teams and our third teamers to come out and play, we were not going to be concerned later on in the season if a significant injury like this would happen. So we, know, we knew that Bryce Carpenter was going to go out there and was going to go out there and do his thing. So, um, you know, if, he, if Grayson's not ready for next week and, and, you know, Bryce Carpenter, he gets out there for homecoming, we know he's going to go out there and ball out. So I, have, I had no worries going into this game that, you know, we were going to lose this game. Um, but big shout-out to Bryce Carpenter. Uh, you played a hell of a game last week. Yeah, we talked about it before. Uh, it was really, really early in the podcast history, but we talked about how if Grayson goes down, we feel that we have maybe not the most talented backup quarterback in the country. You can make an argument there for Georgia. They've rolled two quarterbacks this season and haven't slowed down at all, right? But we had – total and complete confidence in our backup quarterback. We knew that Bryce Carpenter was going to come in and be able to do things like this, to get you a win in a game that's A, in less than ideal situations, and B, he wasn't announced as the starter until 40 minutes before kickoff. I said earlier that I think our coaching staff had him ready to play. I don't think that there was necessarily a shock to Carpenter that like 40 minutes before kickoff, oh, you're the starter this week. I think they kind of knew going in. But it's still really good for Coastal and really good for us as fans to know that if somebody goes down, it's next man up mentality, and there's not a significant drop-off. Did the offense look as potent as it did under McCall? No. Is all of that on Bryce Carpenter? No. A lot of it is the fact that it they were literally playing in, like, <laughs> it was funny. On the broadcast, they kept, like, making comments about, like, oh, that's not popcorn that you hear. It's literally the rain hitting our field mics, right? It was raining so hard that you could sometimes not see the play that was happening. Like, it was insane the amount of rain that was coming down. Coastal still puts up 28 points, looks really good doing it. We mentioned at the top of the show that the defense are the real stars for the first time this season. Um, I know that's going to sound a little bit shocking, but this is the first game this all season where – you look at that defense, and it, it was a complete, total performance from all of them, and it really bodes well going into the rest of the season. 
and into bowl season where our defense finally it looks like the holes have been plugged they've got some things going for them you know they had an interception right which we've always been banging on about turnovers they finally get one there was a couple of other like fumbles and that sort of thing awesome awesome work there but this was a really total complete domination on the defensive side of the ball by coastal yeah, and this is something that we've been looking for literally the entire season. This is a way bigger, it felt, domination than even when we played UMass or ULM. It still felt like they were able to move the ball, and we weren't really expecting them to have good offenses anyways. They certainly don't have as good offenses as Georgia Southern, especially with that triple option. But, yeah, and Georgia Southern should have been more prepared for the rain than Coastal was because most of their offense is based on the triple option, which is run. They don't really throw the ball, so that's something that, they could really stick to their game plan, whereas we had a backup quarterback and it was raining, so we couldn't focus on the air a lot. But, yeah, complete domination on defense. Josiah Stewart with four sacks. He's an absolute beast, and the tackling was a lot better, too. Even Absolutely. they tackled better when everyone was slippery than they have all season, so that was good to see as well. Yeah, yeah, that was really impressive. And, and you know, Georgia Southern is almost like looking yourself in the mirror in yeah. terms of offense. It's not the traditional – you know, wing T Navy, Army type triple option. It's a lot of what Coastal runs. It's a lot of shotgun snaps, and you're getting some read options. You're getting some speed options out to the side. Coastal shut it down from the start of the game. Yeah, and I'll say this too. I mean, you guys talk about the tackling. Um, you know, Josiah Stewart also had six total tackles, along with uh, Silas Kelly. He had six total tackles too. And Tobias Fletcher had five total tackles. So those guys – really stepped it up. You know, we've, been, we've called out a few of those guys um, earlier in the year about not really, you know, giving that much effort. But to see uh, the tackling uh, numbers really be pretty stable this past week, um, that's really, really good to see. And I'm just fortunate that, you know, in the torrential pour down that they had last week um, against Georgia Southern, it's really good to see that they were really good at, at tackling. Um, and like you guys said, I mean, you, you can't really ask for a better performance from the defense than what we just saw this past week. I mean, you could have a case for the ones earlier, um, the ones that we've had, you know, single digits of other teams scoring. But this might be up there as one of the best, if not the best. So I'm just very fortunate to see that this defense is really starting to turn it around late in the season. Yeah, and I think those early game, you know <laughs> – UMass lost to Rhode Island this week. Ouch. Like as much as as much as we've always been supportive of Coastal, the schedule was terrible. Let's yeah. not let's not sugarcoat it, and I don't think we need to sugarcoat it. We really haven't all season, but I want to make it clear what our stance was. This schedule sucked. <laughs> we played a lot of cupcakes, and those three points that we gave out to UMass and the six that we gave out to UL Monroe. I think a lot of that was the level of team we were playing. Now, ULM has come out and won a couple games, which is impressive, but I don't think that they were any good anyways. This was, and I know everybody's going to look, and Georgia Southern's 2-7 and seven now. They fired their head coach, their best player, got caught drinking a beer on top of a bus and got kicked off the team type stuff. Yeah. But I think this is a better team than those, and to hold them to eight points in a home game in a downpour – against an offense that should have been able to handle that is uber, uber impressive. And, and moving forward, again, like I said earlier, it's going to bode well for, you know, if we end up with a Power 5 team in a bowl matchup, which I think is going to happen for Coastal. I really think that this is going to be a, a season where you could end up with an LSU like we talked about before 
or you know a team that had a bit of a down year in the Power Five, but they're going to come up against a hopefully 11 and one Coastal. And who knows? Maybe App State trips up. Coastal wins the Sun Belt. There's some ranking chaos, which we're going to get into later. The rankings that have come out, um, and Coastal ends up as the top Group of Six team. Cincinnati makes the playoff you never know but this is really really important to have a defensive showing like this yeah and one other thing I wanted to mention and really this is another shout out to Jamie Chadwell but Georgia Southern in the second half punted with about 10 seconds left and Jamie Chadwell rushed 11 people had no one back there to return it because they're punting with eight seconds left you're not going to return it and we blocked the punt and Freshman linebacker Mason Shelton picks it up and runs for a touchdown. Time's expired. We go to the locker rooms. Shout out to Jamie Chadwell for we're up 14 nothing. We need a big play to seal the half. He literally rushed 11. I, I was talking. I said, I don't ever think I've seen that before. And yeah, that at was least really not just, out of Coastal. No. That was really just heads up by Jamie Chadwell to throw everything you got on him and worked and returned it for a touchdown. So we talked about the special teams kind of been going dormant the past couple weeks. They were really great early in the season, but they stepped up again, and Alex Billum blocked two punts now, and he won special teams player of the week in the Sun Belt as well, so shout out to him again. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, this was a game where all three phases you won, which is whenever you can do that, and then you throw in the intangibles of penalties and, you know, the lucky bounces and stuff, Coastal won every phase of this game. They did a really good job. Special teams, like you said, it went quiet. It didn't go bad. Right, There wasn't ever a time where you looked at Coastal Special Teams and they had a bad game. They just didn't have an impactful game for a while. Now you're back to having that impactful game. You've got you know, a return for a touchdown. And like you said, that was end of the half. They literally kicked the extra point and ran into the locker room. That's a momentum-changing play that shuts you know it, – it's a lot – and I'll, I'll compare it to hockey. Sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. But I'll compare it to hockey. Most coaches will tell you what's the worst time to score with a minute left in the period. Because now you go into intermission and you're thinking about, God, we gave up that goal. You're not thinking about how to get better, what you can do differently to come out the next period to score. You're thinking about, dang it, we let in that goal with a you know 40 seconds left and now we're down by two instead of down by one. Same thing in football, you give up that touchdown last second. That's I guarantee you that's all Georgia Southern's players were thinking in the locker room. And it's it's a credit to Jamie Chadwell. It's a, it's a credit to the special teams unit. It's a credit to Mason Shelton for returning it all the way. And it's a really good sign, again, moving forward, that the special teams is back and back being impactful. Yeah, when we can have those type of plays, it just changes the game tremendously. So um, I'm very pleased to see that the special teams are starting to get back to the way it was. I, I, I got to think that we're up there in the FBS with probably the most blocked punts um, in the season. I got to I gotta think that. But, I mean, you can't, you can't ask for any of that. And just like Curtis said, those are momentum-changing plays, and it actually helps out the team in so many ways. Whenever you can win on offense, defense, and special teams, that you're winning at every phase of the game. You have no chance, really, of losing a game unless you just have a complete collapse. So I'm just very fortunate to see that the special team is getting back to what it used to do early in the season. And if it can transition this in the, la- the later part of the season and into the bowl game picture, look out for whoever's going to play us because I feel like we're going to be on top regardless. Yeah, just to follow up on what you said, pulling up the NCAA database, Coastal Carolina tied for first okay. in blocked kicks this season with five. Uh, Old Dominion. 
newest mm. member of the Sun Belt coming in. They're uh, tied with us. Nine games played, five blocked kicks. So, again, that's that's a really big turning point for your team is to have special teams and be able to make plays in a phase of the game that usually you just want to be quiet. You know what I'm saying? You don't want a muffed punt. You don't want a you know a snap to go over the kicker's head. You don't want blocked punts or missed <clears throat> excuse me or missed kicks. Now, instead of just being quiet, you're being impactful. You're you're changing the shape of the game. You're changing how we can come out in the second half and attack this team. You're changing the entire game plan. And it's it's really impressive and it's going to bode good things for Coastal moving forward. But with that in mind, I think we kind of move on from this game again. There's not a ton to talk about Coastal one one not, I wouldn't say convincingly, right? They won all three phases of the game. The scoreboard, we only won by 20. So in that way, not convincingly. But if you watch that game, Coastal had it under control the entire time. With that, we kind of move to a bit of a different discussion. It's a discussion that, unfortunately, you guys are going to have to live through uh, the Curtis soapbox again. <laughs> um, but let's talk about CFP rankings. <laughs> what in the world... What, I, whatever they're smoking, I want some. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's just that's what I want. And again, we're recording this on Monday, following Coastal's game on Saturday. So there's going to be new CFPs that come out tomorrow night. But reacting to the first batch and reacting to what happened this weekend with that first batch of rankings, man, sign me up. Find me their dealer. Please, please, I need something to get through this semester. And whatever they're smoking is good stuff, man. But, like, what do you guys think? Like, where are you guys at with this? Yeah, there are two teams, I think, that they put in that really stood out, Mississippi State and Minnesota, that aren't in the AP rankings. And Minnesota got absolutely dominated. It didn't look like that on the scoreboard. But if you watched, they got pretty much murdered by N by Illinois and for them to put them in there and then they perform like that that number one discredits them completely because they're not even receiving votes in like the AP poll and then the same thing for Mississippi State a three loss team I'm pretty sure they lost this weekend as well yep. didn't they? Yes, they so did. now they have four losses 17th in the college football playoff rankings not even ranked in the AP poll took out all the group of fives that won UTSA is one of four undefeated teams that are even left in this entire country not ranked. Not this even is ranked. Nope. Not even ranked. And even, you know, it's blatant total disrespect to the group of five. It's I understand that the group of five is not the premier conferences in in sport, right? Yeah. There there's a reason they're called the group of five and not the power five. However, if you're competing in those conferences and you're winning in those conferences, you deserve some respect. They didn't get any. They got none, right? The highest-ranked group of five team is Cincinnati, who's undefeated with wins over Notre Dame and Indiana. Have they played the toughest schedule in the world? No, but they're undefeated. And I'm going to start my, my soapbox, and I'm sorry, everybody. Start it up. But any sport that values credible losses or good losses over wins is not a sport. You're not competing for a true championship if you can go undefeated and not compete for the, the national championship. Do I think Coastal last year deserved to be in the Final Four? Probably not, but they were undefeated. Any team that goes undefeated deserves a shot at the national championship. It's insane to me that they're going to look at Alabama and go, well, they got a quality loss against Texas A&M. 
No, they lost. End of story. There's a one in the loss column. That's it. Does Cincinnati have one of those? Nope. Have they looked convincing the past three weeks? Nope. Does it matter? Absolutely not. It should not matter. Coastal Carolina has looked like one of the best group of five teams for two years in a row now. One loss in two years, Coastal's completely out of the poll. You're going to put Mississippi State, who lost to Tulsa, who lost to Alabama by 40, and a Memphis team that's played really well and has beaten Tulsa. Mm. They're not in there. UTSA, undefeated, not in there. Right? The only one that I think they got right is Georgia. And it's the easiest pick ever. In one of the most chaotic (laughs) college football seasons ever, Georgia has been the one constant. Their defense has given up five touchdowns all season. That's including this Saturday, right? That's insane. They're really, really good. They're probably going to win the national championship. That's the only ranking that they got right, was having Georgia number one. I totally agree. And, you know, you know, looking at the list, I mean, after all those losses, Fresno State, get out yep. of there. Yeah, Fresno State's gone. Uh, Minnesota, get out of there. Kentucky. Kentucky. You may – you may stay. They probably will. And it's and it only because of the season you guys have had. But I think that they need to be out of there, too, just because you lost the, uh, the way you did on Saturday. Uh, Mississippi State, how did you even get into this conversation? How? You guys had three losses. Get out of there. Like, I mean, Baylor losing a TCU, an unranked TCU at that, and they just mm. fired their head coach, Gary Patterson. Get them out of there. Yeah, yep. Like, you gotta, you guys shouldn't even be ranked anymore. You dropped us down 10 spots in a close, contested game against Appalachian State, and we fall 10 spots. We were 14th at the time. You dropped us down to 24. Like, that's, that's unprecedented. Well, and well, that, was the that was the AP poll. Right? Well, AP poll did that, but I'm saying. But at least the AP poll, and we've been critical of the AP poll on here, too, not giving group of five teams respect. They at least have a brain. Right. Like, I, I believe that the AP voters have something rattling around in their skulls. I don't know that that's true about the college football playoff. Because just the fact that Mississippi State is included makes me wonder what their discussions are. Because it makes me wonder if those people are watching football or if they're just listening for names. That Mississippi State makes me believe that somebody at the back of the room while they're doing their conversation raised their hand up and was like, what about Mississippi State? And everybody went... Yeah, they're the Bulldogs. They're in the SEC. Yeah, fine. We'll throw them in there. Fine. Yeah, that works. Somebody raised their hand and said, what about UTSA? The hell is their mascot even? Uh, what it? But it, it shouldn't matter. And then they didn't put them in the poll as an undefeated team. They didn't put Appalachian State in the poll as a two-loss team who beat Coastal. Mm-hmm. They didn't put Louisiana in the poll as a one-loss team. Their one loss is to Texas, a Power 5 team. And it was a close game at that. Right. They didn't put Coastal in the poll. They didn't put a lot of the group of five teams that really deserve to be there in the poll at all. And instead, they put three loss Wisconsin at 21. They put Minnesota at 20, who's now lost. They put NC State, who's looked okay, but not great. They put Mississippi State in there, who lost again this weekend. Right? Like, you go through the list. Group of five is represented by Cincinnati at six. BYU is an independent, but I think they deserve to kind of be – they're a small-ish school. I'm right. not going to call them a group of five team, but they're at 15. And then you've got to scroll all, all the way down to Fresno at 23 and San Diego State at 24. Yeah. What is happening? This is – and it's ridiculous you even look at it. 
all of the most of the people on this college football playoff committee are athletic directors. I know our athletic director doesn't have time to sit around and actually watch these games. I know they don't watch these games, and I certainly know they don't watch the group of five games. They're more worried about their own school. The AP poll is full of sports writers and journalists that watch sports and watch college football for a living, and their takes had to be somewhat good to get them to the job that they have today and get them a vote. So why are we not putting the hands of the national championship and who gets to play for it with people that watch sports for a living and are paid to have good takes instead of people who are just worried about their one school. That's what really bugs me the most. Yeah, and it, you know, as much as as everybody was harsh on the BCS, myself included, I think it was a better system. I really truly think it's a, it was a better system because when you have a selection committee like this, it works in basketball because there's 68 teams that make the tournament. So you can make an argument for a lot of teams and be like, oh, are they better than this? Are they? And it, it doesn't necessarily matter. And they use computer ranking systems yes. as well. They use two to three computer systems to assist them. College football doesn't use that. No, it's literally just a bunch of people getting together. And it's I know this is going to sound rich coming from a podcast host, but it, it seems to me like the committee is a lot of people. They just get together at the bar and go, yeah, I think that team could win. Like, that's what this screams to me, is not a test to see who's the best team and who should be national champion. It's a popularity contest. And like I said before, if you're a sport that doesn't value winning, if you're a sport that values quality losses over wins, you're not a real sport. You're not crowning a real national champion. If you can have a team that goes undefeated and doesn't even get a chance to win the national championship, your entire system is flawed. Your entire system is broken at its core. And just to, just to point back to what you were just saying, let me ask you, th- you two guys this question. How many SEC teams are on this list? Let's count them up. Yeah, right? How many? Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Well, that's it. So yeah. you're at seven. You got seven SEC teams on this list, and it's just for what reason? It just, to me, it shows that this committee is just showing – more uh, love to these bigger conferences than it is to the smaller conferences. I really truly think that UTSA, guys, they have never been this far undefeated in their program's history. They are setting historical records all throughout this year, and you guys don't even have the, 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 dri- the, the, the driven purpose to put them on this list. And it is just really just baffling to me. Like, how could you not do that? And there's other teams out there, too, that deserve recognition and getting on this list, too. I truly hope that tomorrow night they really thoroughly, and I mean thoroughly, I'm not talking about having bar talks. I'm talking about seriously looking at who deserves to be on this list and who needs to be off this list. Because this, looking at this list, I mean, it better be a bunch of changes come tomorrow night, i tell yeah. you that. Yeah, look at your rankings, your precious rankings that you supposedly worked so hard on, and then look how many of them got embarrassed and lost this week. Yeah, Your rankings it, got embarrassed by the game. Right, and... To my point, Michigan State entered this weekend undefeated. Do I think that they deserve to be in the top four? Absolutely. Do I think they're one of the four best teams in the country? Not really. So, right, like, I think they deserve to have a shot at a national championship because they were undefeated. But you look at that team, they lost to Purdue this weekend. 
Hey, Boilermakers, let me just say this. The Boilermakers, this is the second consecutive week they've knocked off one of the top ten teams in the country. So, hey. You want to talk about yeah, the right, most – Yeah, right, producing to be number one like, next per, week. Yeah, well, <laughs> you want to talk – just, just to take a quick 30-second breather, you want to talk about one of the most useless games, like – in the middle of a season ever. Remember a couple weeks ago, Penn State and Iowa was three and four in the country? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those are two teams that Penn State lost their next three games, right? Iowa had lost three in a row. Like the most meaningless top five matchup. But like going back to it, they had Michigan State at three ahead of Cincinnati. Fine, because they're undefeated and Michigan State's a power five. But then you're going to put Oregon in there who lost to Stanford, who's a bad team. You put Ohio State in there, who lost to Oregon. And I hate I hate the, like, the associative property of college football that some people <laughs> like to do of, like, you know, Oregon lost to Stanford and beat Ohio State, so therefore Stanford's a better team than Ohio State. Not really. But, like, that's an insult to the group of five. It's an insult to the smaller schools around the, the country. And it, it leads me into my next point of how do you fix it? And the only answer that comes to my mind is A, computer rankings, B, an entirely new committee that is not ADs and don't have skin in the game. Because they're supposed to, you know, repose themselves when the, uh, the committee's talking about their school. There's almost no way that happens, right? Because they don't let cameras in. They don't let microphones in to record these conversations. So we don't know. They just come out with this big fancy rating show every Tuesday night, and it's like, here you go, here's what us think, here's what us gods think, and it's awful. And the other option is to strengthen your own conference, which the Sun Belt is doing now officially. James Madison is in. Shout out to them. Um, you know, bringing in another big school helps, but I don't think it elevates you to the status where even winning the new Sun Belt with all its new, you know, fancy teams and having one loss in there. You're not going to get any respect. You're going to finish that poll in 15th or 16th, and it's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely, totally ridiculous. It's why I'm a big proponent of bringing back computer rankings and having the computer decide the best four because we've seen the fallacies of having humans do it. They suck. Yeah, and that's one of the things people were talking about. And mostly the bigger problem, that was not necessarily the computer rankings with the BCS, but it was the fact that it was only two teams as well. I don't think people would have, especially after what we've seen with this playoff committee, I don't think anybody would have any issues with the BCS rankings because they look a lot more like the AP poll than the College Football Playoff Committee does. In my opinion, the College Football Playoff Committee should look like the AP poll because, like I mentioned, it's written by people that actually get paid to do this for a living, not ADs. Well, let me just say this because... A little known fact, if you guys didn't know, there was actually a simulated BCS ranking system that came out mm-hmm. before this, this came yeah. out. They had Coastal ranked in at number 21, mm-hmm. just like the AP poll right, had us. So um, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm with both of you guys. I don't think that there needs to be any ADs from any different universities in this anyways, because you guys got to think, back in 2015, 16, and 17, many times when they were – pulling the rankings out, especially the final rankings, it was always the same teams. It was always Alabama. It was always Clemson. And it was probably almost either Ohio State or or Oklahoma was always in there as well. And then, you know, we always got sick and tired of seeing the same four teams, three or four teams in in the playoff picture. So that just shows favoritism. 
in my opinion. I think it shows favoritism and it shows that you're only going to allow these these teams to come in and play every single year, and that's not what college football fans want to see. Different fan bases want to see their teams make it into the playoff or at least compete for a um, New Year's Six Bowl. So yeah. I truly think that they don't need any more of these, um, these uh, committees to come in. Take it back to the computer. Let the computer uh, compute and analyze and see what they think might be the best thing for each of those teams, and let it decide if it's going to be uh, the four teams that make it into the playoff. Cause yeah, and know. either do that or do that and have a human component combine the rankings. Or, and like you said, it was the same teams. It was Clemson, Bama, Florida State made it the one year. And those teams, those seasons, made it easier for the playoff committee, in my opinion, to hide behind this ranking yep. system. But the past two years, we've had more complicated years and more parity in college football. And this committee doesn't know what to do with it because they can't just wake up and say, oh, I'm guessing Clemson won last week. I'm guessing this team. We're just going to keep it the same. We're going to keep these four teams. They can't do that anymore. So now it's forcing them to watch the games, and they're obviously not. So I think this parity in this season in the past year also has kind of exposed this system for how bad that it really is. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that this is the first year where – those like Clemson's awful this right. year, mm-hmm. right? Like they still put Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State in the top five. Yeah, Oklahoma, who has looked bad but is still undefeated, mm-hmm. right? They put them in the top ten still, which they deserve to be, but they didn't put them in the top four. If my point stands that if you're undefeated, you deserve a chance in the national championship. How do they have Alabama ahead of Oklahoma? Again, Oklahoma has looked not good all season. They've, they've had some weird games where they just haven't looked competitive, but I don't know. And the other thing that I wanted to, to throw up is – what's the best way to put this? I don't care about the style of game. I don't care about the final score. I don't care about – a group of five going against a power five. I think that if you finish the season undefeated, I don't care that UTSA is now going to have to play Georgia in the playoff. Is that a fair matchup? Probably not. Is UTSA going to win that game? Probably not. But you know what else? We didn't give Boise State a chance to beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl all those years ago. Mm -hmm. And they did. Right? Like, we didn't give these teams a, a, a chance in the world. Oh, there's no way UTSA has a chance against Georgia. I agree with that sentiment. But do I think they deserve a chance? Absolutely. I don't give a damn about the TV rankings. I don't care about the TV ratings. I know. I know for a fact that Georgia playing Ohio State in one of the semifinals and Alabama playing out of Oklahoma – is going to bring in a lot more viewers. It's going to bring in a lot more advertising dollars. It's going to be, quote-unquote, better for the sport. I don't care. What's better for the sport is crowning a true national champion. And that's having Georgia play UTSA and proving that, hey, you went undefeated, I went undefeated, we're the better undefeated team. I don't care that they win by 70. UTSA deserved that chance. And we don't know. Again, like I said, we didn't give Boise State a chance in hell all those years ago, they ran the Statue of Liberty and upset Oklahoma, right? This needs to change. This needs to get better. And I think it gets better with playoff expansion. And I think it gets better with removing the human component. 
I think there's no reason for the playoff to be four teams. It was never supposed to be four nope. teams. It, it really shouldn't have. And everybody acts like that's what we wanted as a fan group. Like, oh, you asked for this. You were mad at the BCS. Yeah, we were mad at the BCS because it was two teams. We didn't want four teams because that doesn't help anything. Is it a little bit better? Sure. Would it be a lot better if we were still relying on computer rankings? Yeah, much better, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think that this is the perfect example for bowl expansion. You get to 12 teams. The first four get a bye. Every conference champion that, exactly. gets an auto bid. Conference championships currently mean nothing. Literally nothing. Nope. In every other NCAA sport, you win your conference championship, you're in. You get a chance at the national championship. Every other sport yeah. but football. You can win, you're out, you can lose, you're going to be still in. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? You, you bust your ass to beat the other teams in your conference who make up the bulk of your schedule, right? Right. So it's not like you're competing against like two or three of them and then, oh, I'm Sunbelt champion. No, no, no. You're playing most of them, if not all of them in the other sports that aren't football. Winning your conference should matter. And like you said, it simply doesn't. It really doesn't matter at all. You can win the Sunbelt. You can win the MAC. You can win whatever. And nobody cares because you didn't win the SEC. Right. Yeah. Whose fault is that? That's not Coastal's fault that they're not in the SEC. That's not UTSA's fault that they're not in the ACC. That's not, you know, San Diego State's fault that they're in the, the, the WAC or the Mountain, or is it the Mountain West now. Mountain West. Like, and not the Pac-12. It's not their fault. <laughs> they went out and they won. They proved that they were a good team. And you said, nana-nana-boo-boo, you're not, you're not three-loss Alabama, but all their three losses were in the SEC. Who cares? Cool. You lost. But here's my thing, though. Let me ask you guys this. Because I've been seeing a lot of, like, picture layouts and displays. So I've been seeing an expansion, and I've been seeing um, one all the way through 12, just like you said. You brought it I 12. think that's the best way to do it. I think if you expand too much, I think then you run into, like, some problems logistically with that. Right. I think 12 is a good way to be there. I think 12 is complicated with 10 auto bids from conference champions. Right. That'd be something you'd have to work out with yeah. only two at-large bids to go to, like, losing your conference championship game type stuff. Yeah. That would be complicated. Maybe you do, like, eight auto bids, and it's, like, the eight conference champions with the best record. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that. But I really think that, that expansion is the only way to solve the idiocy that is the college football playoff right now. Yeah. And I, seen, I, I saw that layout, and so, like, 12 would play 11. And I guess whoever's got the better record out of those two, you're playing at their house. And I've been seeing it go all the way down, 10 and 9 play. Uh, 8 and 7 play, 6 and 5 play. 4 all the way to 1 and gets a bye. They get a bye. And right. then, so you keep playing in these. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament, the way that they do there. So I guess if 12, so let's see, like 11 and 12, Oklahoma State. See, I wouldn't do yeah. 11 versus 12. I do 5 versus 12. 5 versus 12, okay. And then do it that way. I like what the NBA has done with their playoff system last yeah. year where the 9 and 10 seed – or no. Yeah. yeah. 9 and 10 play a game. The winner of that game plays the, plays the loser of a game between the 7 and 8 yes. seed. Mm-hmm. Right? The winner of that 7 and 8 game goes straight into the playoffs of the number 7 seed. The loser of that game has to beat the winner of the 9 versus 10 game. Whoever wins that game, and it's a one-game wild card, is the 8th seed. 
I like that. That's that's really cool. Do I think you can do that in football where you have to have a week between games? Probably not. No. That's why I'm not a fan of complete and total expansion where you have like 16 or 32 teams make the college football playoff. I think if that happens, then you you don't play any non-conference games all season. You just have to play conference games. You don't have time for it. So I don't think that's the option moving forward. Yeah. But I really think that expansion would help the sport. I think expansion is what we've wanted. And I don't think that, you know, everybody likes to talk about the slippery slope of you expand to 12, then you expand to 16, no. then you expand to 24. No, no, no. No, it doesn't need that. Yeah, what about you, don't need, you don't need that. The FCS has been doing 16 for years. Yep. And But that's because they're actually NCAA sanctioned and it's an actual national championship and – each conference winner gets it. And, you know, if we're going to do it like this, then say UTSA wins out, wins their conference, wins their bowl game, then the NCAA actually did sanction UCF's national championship in, what was it, 2017? 16 or 17. They credited that. They said you can be national champions because you didn't lose. If You can't complain about UTSA doing that if they didn't even get a chance. I don't think you can. Right, yeah, and the argument that – UCF made, and I think it was a valid one, was A, they went undefeated, and in their bowl game they beat Auburn, who beat Alabama, Alabama. who was yeah. the actual national, national champion. champion. I put that in air quotes. And they blew them out, too. But here's the thing, though. They should have at least... That's the thing that I had a problem with. They did what they were supposed to do. They took care of business. They should have at least given them... Give it to them. Get Let ch- them in. Get a chance, Let right? them in, yes. And if, they, and if they end up losing, then so be it. But they got right. that opportunity... To go out there and try to prove to their point that they think that they were the best national champion. And who knows what could have happened in that game if UCF and Alabama could have played. Yeah, they could have pulled off an upset. Right. People don't complain about, up, not upsets, but blowouts in the NCAA tournament for basketball, do they? No, no. they don't. Nobody complains about that. And 12, 10 to 12 upsets happen every single year in that. So why can't it happen in football? We've seen it before. We've seen Multiple thirty-point favorites already lose this year. Yeah, not in like ULM type and that kind of stuff. But it could totally happen, and you don't see people complaining about blowouts in NCAA basketball. And it happens every single year in the college football playoff too. That one versus four, two, three, one of them is a blowout. Well, I mean, like the first year that that they did the playoff, Ohio State was national champion as the four seed. Right. It was good though. Like that. Like again, they're a blue blood program. But it proves that the underdog can win. It proves that giving people a chance to win a national championship is the right approach. Even if, and like you said, who cares in the, the first or second or even third round of the NCAA tournament, the March Madness tournament, who right. cares if it's a blowout? That team got there. That team deserved their chance to win a national championship. And I don't care about the TV ratings. I said it earlier. I don't. I really, truly don't. If you want to be a legitimate sport, you want to be a legitimate governing body like the college football playoff is, right? Because the NCAA, that's the other thing. The NCAA doesn't put this tournament together. No. It's the only sport in college athletics where the championship is determined not by the NCAA, but by a third-party source. And it's, it's ridiculous, and it's time for change, and these rankings prove it. They have until tomorrow to fix it. Like, that's <laughs> like I know that sounds harsh for the second week, right, of no, the rankings. Not. No, it's but not. But they, this is horrible. They have to fix it. If UTSA comes in at 9-0 and and is less than 15, 
<laughs> right? Well, you know they're going to do That's it. That's insane. You they know probably, they're going to do I it. I doubt they're ranked tomorrow. Uh, to I be doubt honest. it too. I doubt it too. You know they're going to do it because they're not trying to give the little guy the opportunity to try to play against the big dogs. And I don't like that at all because I don't think that these fan bases and these fans don't want to see their, their precious team get beat by a little team like UTSA or a Cincinnati or on a level like that. And that's what college sports really was built on, the fact yeah. that these are amateurs, not professionals, and that anything can happen. So why are they trying to take that away? Right, exactly. And, you know, we'll, we'll step off our, our soapbox there, but it's, you know. It, <laughs> it was, was much a, needed, though. Yeah. yeah, it was a discussion that needed to happen. And, God, I hope we don't have it later this week again. <laughs> I re- Fix your shit, man. Like, like just... I'm sick of it, man. But So before we jump out of here tonight, I wanted to reach out to our audience. Our audience is growing, which we really, really appreciate. Like In all honesty, from, from the bottom of my heart, I thought that I would end this season of you know the shot show with like four listeners right yeah. you guys are you guys are incredible the fact that literally anybody cares what i think is amazing to me the fact that you guys are constantly turning tuning in you guys are reaching out on instagram and, and twitter awesome the first thing we're not looking to add new talent to the show itself we've had a couple people reach out trying to get involved we're not looking to add new talent to the show itself but we are looking to add elements of the community into the show the first of those is our logo if you've seen it on twitter and instagram kind of basic kind of boring if there are artists in the community that would like to develop a new logo for us please 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 do so if we pick your logo to be our new logo i will gladly pay you for your work but we need people in the community to help us out with that i don't want to go out and hire somebody who doesn't know what the sean is about that doesn't know what we're about to make a new logo for us because I don't think it would be appropriate. I know that there are people in the community that can do that and I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. The other thing is, you guys know, I always put music at the beginning of the show. I always put music at the end of the show. If you are an artist, hit me up with your soundtracks. I don't care if it's on SoundCloud and you've literally never you know, released an album or whatever. If you're producing music and if you want to put it on the show and it's appropriate for the show, I will gladly end the episode with a shout out to your band and here's their newest cover single and it plays entirely at the end of the episode. I would love to have somebody record an intro for us and it's our intro song every week. Please help us out with that. Reach out to us, give us your input, and again, we'll pay for it. <laughs> like, I don't want you to do stuff for free. I don't want you to do stuff that you know, takes away from your life or from your ability to you know, feed your family in order to to provide something for us. But I really want community input on this. Same goes for questions. Keep sending us questions. Keep talking to us on Twitter. Keep saying the things that need to be said. And keep telling us how we can get better. We're only a couple episodes into this thing. Really, yeah. Yeah, we are. We're still brand new little babies out here in the podcast network type thing. But we need to know what we're doing bad what we can do better and how we can produce a show that you guys want to listen to more often and want to interact with more often. With that, I think my call <laughs> call for help is, is just about over. But like I said, reach out to us. Um, I would, if, and I do want to say this while we're still recording, if you design a new logo, please have it be square when you submit your final graphic. Um, it really helps for putting it 
where it needs to go to be publicized. So 252 by 252, 1040 by 1040. As long as it's square, I don't really care what size, I can up res it and do some other things with, on my own end. But just make sure that it's square when you submit that final um, you know, product to us. But with that, I think I sign us off for Josh and Jordan. I'm Curtis signing off. Follow us on Twitter at The Shant Show, on Instagram at Shant Show. Hit us up in those DMs. We really appreciate it.